When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode of Rudder Dead is sponsored by Libro FM. Libro FM lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your favorite local bookstore. You can pick from more than 100,000 audiobooks, including New York Times bestsellers and recommendations from booksellers around the country. With Libro FM, you'll get the same audiobooks at the same price as the largest audiobook company out there. You know the name, but you'll be part of a much different story, one that supports community. All you need is a smartphone and the free Libro FM app. If you already love love audiobooks and don't know what to listen to next, check out recommendations and curated lists from people who know audiobooks best, local booksellers. In June, Libro FM is launching their Kids Club and YA Club, which will offer select audiobooks priced under $10 each, as well as their Summer Listening Challenge. Each person to finish will get free audiobook credits and the chance to win free audiobooks for a year if you can complete the challenge extra credit. Listeners of Rudder Dead can get a three-month audiobook membership for the price of one month. You can go to Libro.fm, that's L-I-B-R-O dot F-M, and enter the code BR3. With each listen, take pride in knowing that you are supporting local bookstores. Welcome to Red or Dead, a bi-weekly podcast where we talk about the world of mysteries and thrillers. This is episode 54, and we are recording on Tuesday, June 18th. I'm Katie McLean Horner, along with Rincey Abraham, and we're coming to you from Book Riot. Hi, Katie. Hi, Rincey. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. I'm kind of in shock that it's like the middle of June. I know that I feel like this conversation comes up all the time, but I was just talking to my friend and I was like, it's basically July at this point. (laughs) And I'm like, where's the year going? (laughs) No, I totally agree. Like, um, just this evening, I came home from work, I brought in some mail. Um, My husband had a package, and I gave it to him. And he looked at it, and he kind of opened it a little bit, and he goes, oh, okay. He's like, no, that's okay. He said, I thought it was one of your birthday gifts. And then for a second, I went, wait a minute, I have a birthday coming up? <laughs> Which I do. I, I just got my time off approved at work. My birthday is July 5th. I always take my birthday my birthday off. That's always my birthday gift to me. As you should. Yes, as I should. Um, and I just got that time approved today. Nice. And I still forgot that my birthday's coming up in like two weeks. <laughs> I mean, so I'm taking July 5th off from work specifically because I'm going out of town that weekend. Uh, but I was, I was like looking at a calendar and I'm like, oh, that's like really soon. <laughs> like then that, that, cause I'm going for like a wedding. And I was like, oh crap, I need to like figure out my life and be prepared for this because it's not that far away anymore. I feel like that just sums up like my entire existence right now. It's like, I need to figure out my life. Like things are happening right now. I know. That's so true for me, too. It's just everything's going way too fast. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And at work today, one of my coworkers and I, we were uh, finishing some stuff up before a before a a meeting. And I started gathering up my stuff, was printing some stuff out. And she goes, wait a minute, what happened to the last 10 minutes? They were here a minute ago. I don't know what happened to them. (laughs) 
And I'm like, that's just been like my entire day. That sounds like a very like Alice in Wonderland sort of line. (laughs) (laughs) They were just here a minute ago. (laughs) All right. Well, um, before we get too far into our podcast, um, Let me start off with our first sponsor, which is Amazon Publishing. This summer, Amazon Publishing is helping kickstart your summer reading list with a $3 credit towards select Kindle books from now until the end of the month. Get ready for some sun, fun, and the discovery of your next favorite book. You don't want to miss out. You can um, head to amazon.com slash summer reads to check out some of the titles that are available. Um, They are a bunch of different books out there, including some mysteries and thrillers. Uh, one that they highlighted for us is called Blood on the Tracks by Barbara Nicholas. So if you are looking to maybe uh, fill up your e-reader before you go on vacation or, you know, you have a Kindle device and you're heading to like the beach or the pool or something like that, obviously Kindles are great for those situations. Um, you might be interested in filling up on some mysteries and thrillers um, before you head off. So get your $3 credit, check out some new books. Um, and thanks so much to Amazon Publishing for sponsoring this episode. All right. Um, So as far as our show goes, um, if you are a new listener, welcome. And if you're a longtime listener, welcome back. Um, We talk about mysteries and thrillers and suspense and true crime and uh, movie adaptations and big stuff happening in the news that's related to mysteries and thrillers and just all of that stuff just shoved into a box. That's what our podcast is. So um, this is the point in the episode where we encourage people and our fabulous listeners to reach out to us. Um, A, we love to hear from you, but B, you guys also come up with some really fantastic episode ideas. In fact, um, our kind of uh, main topic for the episode is based on a uh, listener suggestion. So we do appreciate that very much. It really helps us to uh, plan out episodes that you guys are actually, you know, interested in hearing. Um, so as um, so we always put out this call at the beginning of the show, we will have our contact information at the end of the show. So make sure to take that down. And even if you don't have an idea for us, or you just want to say hi, or anything along those lines, uh, please feel free. We're very friendly. And uh, we like knowing that people listen to us. So, <laughs> so with that, um, I'm going to jump into uh, our new segment because last episode we were like, there's not really much happening. And then over the last two weeks, everything's happening. So um, the first part, I, first big thing that I want to talk about has, this is, this um, has been big news all throughout the publishing industry. Um, Linda Fairstein, or or Fairstein, Fairstein, I think it is. Um, she's well known as a legal thriller author, but she was also the uh, prosecuting attorney in the Central Park Five case, which, of course we all are familiar with now because of Ava DuVernay's uh, Netflix series, um, When They See Us, which has really brought it to the national, brought it to a national attention. Like, everyone is talking about this series. Linda Fairstein has been criticized for her role in in this whole legal debacle um, for a while. It's just over the last few years, this has become more prominent. Um, earlier, I think it was I earlier this year, um, I know it was for the most recent um, Edgar Awards, she was up for like a Lifetime Achievement Award or something like that. Yeah. And 
all of the and there there was such an outcry from the mystery author community because of her role in the Central Park Five case and everyone going, we should not be rewarding her. She's got like she really screwed some stuff up um, and really ruined these people's lives. Like this is not someone we should be we should be praising. And the um, and her award was withdrawn. Um, and so now. Um, with uh, when they see us, um, everyone talking about it, um, and this really um, being at uh, everyone really paying attention to this again. Uh, Linda Fairstein's been dropped by her publisher. Um, she was with Dutton, and they have um, they have released her. They are not going to be publishing her books anymore. And uh, she's really doubling down on all this. She's um, she wrote a thing about how when they see us is completely false and fabricated. Um, they don't have the whole story. She's picking fights with people on the Authors Guild message boards. Like she's she's not going quietly, and quite frankly, she's just digging herself deeper. As far as I'm concerned, but. Um, she's a really big name in the mystery community. I, you know, I have to admit, I first knew her as a thriller author. It wasn't until the last few years that I realized, oh, no, 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 no. She's kind of, she gained notoriety from her role as the prosecutor in, in this case. But she's a major best-selling author. Um, she's written a ton of books. She was one of the first authors I would think of when I when I think of uh, legal thriller authors. Um, but consequences are happening now. And I don't know if it's a case of too little too late. I don't know if it's, you know, well, better late than never or what other whatever other cliches or aphorisms I can pull out. Um, but yeah, this is happening. And this is this is kind of this is kind of big. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens over the next two weeks if she digs herself in deeper. My guess is probably yes. But we will have links to this in the show notes. Um, there's a few different articles that we that we've pulled um, that you can take a look at kind of some of the stuff that's been going on. And then, uh, real quickly, um, Sarah Peretsky wrote a, uh, letter to the editor for the New York Times. Sarah Peretsky is a longtime, uh, mystery author. And she's, she's been writing since the 80s, I think. Um, and she was writing in response to a, to an earlier article in the New York Times about, um, highlighting, uh, women mystery authors, which in her letter, she said, hey, that's really cool that you're spotlighting these authors, but this isn't like some brand new phenomenon. You know, women have been writing mysteries, you know, consistently for a long time. Uh, to that, I I personally would add, they've, they've been writing, or I would rephrase it as they've been writing mysteries for a long time. You just haven't been paying attention. So she she wrote this um this piece that that was saying hey thank you for you know spotlighting us but this isn't a new phenomenon she highlights um the group that she that she founded in the 80s i think it was sisters in crime um and so it just kind of reminds people like hey there's like if you're interested in female mystery authors there's we've got decades of books for you to explore and focus on you know this isn't something new that came out or that came about as soon as Gillian Flynn published Gone Girl you know let's let's you know let let's not rewrite history here um but we'll have a link to that letter if you uh 
if you care to read that. But I, I'm, I'm glad she said something because yes, this is this is not some brand new phenomenon. It's not all the surprise going. Oh my gosh, women are writing mystery novels. You don't say. <laughs> I know it's completely shocking. I never would have thought that women could do that. Um, so kind of on a slightly related note, there was also another um, opinion letter written in the Boston Globe this week uh, that came out. This one talks about, um, again, women writing mysteries. And this one specifically focuses on the hullabaloo, I guess you can just say, around this new publishing imprint, which I don't believe we've talked about previously on the podcast. Um, so earlier this year, there was an announcement that there was going to be a new imp- imprint from Pegasus Books called Scarlet, which was going to focus on publishing psychological suspense novels, um, mainly focused at female readers. Um, so this was announced and then some of, uh, so the name that was sort of attached to it was, uh, Claiborne Hancock, who like is, uh, pu- who is one of the publishers, um, at Pegasus. Um, and then some of the other names that were coming out attached to this were a number of male people in the industry. So one of them was Otto Penzler, who, um, has a crime fiction imprint. Um, and he, I think also owns a mystery bookshop in New York City or something along those lines. Um, and so he's like a big part of the mystery community, but there was a lot of outcry because he's had like previous comments that were super problematic. Um, speaking of Sisters in Crime, Sarah Perensky's, uh, organization, when it was announced that that organization was becoming a thing back in the 80s. He talked about how that's a, quote, negative and flawed concept. Um, That's like literally a quote he gave to the Chicago Tribune. Like, and so basically, like these quotes and this information was coming out. So people were kind of concerned about this imprint completely. Um, There were some rumors that the books that are being published by the imprint were actually male authors with pseudonyms that were either uh, gender ambiguous or female sounding. Um, So, you know, our favorite thing that we love to hear about. Um, And so there's been sort of this like turnaround in terms of like the disingenuineness of this imprint. And it's a really great opinion piece that actually covers um, a lot of the story behind this imprint, which I think is like worth reading about. Um, And I think it's, And this specific piece points out just how backwards it is to have this female-focused or female-marketed imprint without actually talking about or discussing or helping to improve the sexism within the industry. Um, It seems very weird that Scarlet would try to – or the imprint called Scarlet would try to, like, launch itself with – you know, such a giant blind spot. So um, yeah, there's going to be a link in the show notes again to this specific opinion piece. And I highly recommend checking it out because I definitely think it's worth reading and discussing. And I don't know, guys, publishing, just do better. <laughs> like, yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna like, because when I first read about it, it was the big focus was like, yeah, it's going to be focused on women readers, the implication being that they're going to be hiring female, that they're going to be hiring female authors. And then it's like, oh, like the first author is a woman, but like all the rest of them after that are men or men writing under a pseudonym. And I'm like, yeah, we're going to focus all this stuff on, or focus these titles and really focus on reaching women, uh, women readers, but we're not actually going to hire any women to do it. Yeah. (laughs) 
like, come on, guys. I don't know. What, there's nothing else I can add to that. But it's just like, do better publishing. Like, you should, I mean, on, I just don't understand how this keeps happening. Like, at this point, are, you just have to have your head in the sand completely in order to realize how problematic these choices are. Why does no one understand that women exist? <laughs> Why is this a problem? <laughs> Not well. They recognize that we exist because they're they marketing. They want our money. They just don't want to give us any money. Yeah. Oh God, I'm depressed. <laughs> well, on a less depressing note, <laughs> the final uh, news piece that we have is going to be something that we talk just mentioned really quickly. Um, Attica Lock has a sister uh, named Tembi Locke, who recently came out with a book. This is a memoir, uh, but there is an interview between Attica and Tembi in Shondaland, which I just wanted to include because we're all big fans of Attica Locke here. And so anytime she does anything, I just feel like talking about it. Um, but yeah, I'm just going to have a link to that down in the show notes. I always also think it's kind of interesting when there are two people working in a similar field when they talk to each other about their work and their process and things like that. I personally find that really interesting. Um, so they talk a little bit about Tembi's book specifically, but also like the process of like writing and getting published. And um, one of like the key sort of points in like the headline is like, if writing is like a genetic thing, or like if they just sort of have it in their bones, or if there's some reason why both of them ended up becoming writers, things like that. But there's also like fun and silly questions in there as well, which I also appreciate. So again, um, I will have a link to that in the show notes. And I highly recommend checking it out. It's just a fun interview between Attica Locke and Tembi Locke. Okay. Um, so with that, before we jump into the uh, kind of the uh, central discussion of the episode, I do have our second sponsor, which is us. Or not us specifically, but it's Book Riot Insiders. Woohoo! Um, so if you have not tried out Book Riot Insiders, your time is now. This is our resource specially designed for fellow book nerds, and you can try it free for two weeks. There are different levels available, so you can decide which perks you want, from a monthly behind-the-scenes newsletter to exclusive podcasts and giveaways. And speaking of perks, um, Book Riot Insiders has the new release index, which is curated by our resident philosophy reader, Liberty Hardy, so you can see the most exciting new books coming in the next few months. Uh, check it out. Sign up for your 14-day free trial at insiders.bookriot.com. Um, and we thank them very much for sponsoring the episode. And as always, every time we mention Book Riot Insiders and the new release index, Rincy and I both go, seriously, guys, the new release index is amazing. It is gorgeous. It's going to make you want to read all of these beautiful books. You do, it's, you're just greeted with a wall of beautiful book covers, and you can filter stuff by genre you can you can uh create a um you can you can create your own list of favorites by bookmarking titles which is fantastic you can go back through months of your favorite titles if you're like oh wait a minute there was that one book that i meant to read and i forgot what it was oh you can go back through book uh, you can go through the new release index to find it you can limit stuff based on books that liberty herself really likes which is really fun um there's a little glasses in a uh, little glasses button that looks like her cat's eye glasses that she wears um but it is it is beautiful the first time i saw it i kind of wanted to cry it is fantastic as a reader if you are a a librarian or someone who purchases books um, on a regular basis. This is a great resource. Oh my gosh, I cannot say enough about the new release index. I just love it to pieces. 
Yeah, that alone is like worth the price of admission when it comes to Book Riot Insiders. Like, and especially I think if you're the type of person who's like, there's so many books coming out all the time, I can't keep track of them all, which is very much true. This thing is a lifesaver for sure. Yeah, because I mean, it's not a totally comprehensive list, but it's pretty comprehensive. And you get a range of stuff, you know, geared from middle grade to poetry to graphic novels to mysteries and thrillers. Um, There's just such an enormous range that there you will come away with your reading list. Like, my Goodreads account, I think has hated me ever since I signed up for this. (laughs) All right. Well, to jump into our main topic for the episode. So we got an email from a listener who is doing the Read Harder Challenge this year. And what she's doing is she's trying to read a mystery book for all the challenges that she can. Um, and so the one that she was running into trouble with is the Read Harder Challenge that says to read an own voices book set in Oceania. So Oceania is the uh, part of the world that includes Australia and New Zealand and um a few, I think, South Pacific Island countries are also included in there. Um, but most people focus on Australia and New Zealand because those are the largest countries. So she emailed us asking for recommendations for that. So we decided to take on the challenge. This was not an easy challenge by any means whatsoever, which I'm sure Katie is going to account for us in a few minutes. Uh, but it was, you know, kind of fun and interesting to see sort of what we could come up with because, it's really hard to find own voices books for Oceania when it comes to the mystery world. And you took the only one we could find. <laughs> I called dibs so early on that just because the only reason why I did that is because I had already put it on hold and had gotten it from the library. So I was like, look, I already have this one. <laughs> Which is fair. <laughs> Um, so I can start off with the book that I ended up reading since this is uh, the one that we had. <laughs> And it's called The Thing She's Seen. And this is by, I apologize, because I know I'm going to mess up the last name. It's Ambulin Quemulina and Ezekiel Quemulina. And so they are of the Paluku, oh man, sorry about that, people of the Pilbara region of Western Australia. So these are um, Aboriginal people from Australia who have written a book set in Australia that features Aboriginal people, which is fantastic, because how freaking rare is that, which is unfortunate, but still great that they've published this book. I believe that this author has also published a few other books. Um, I'm not sure if they're all mysteries, though. So just look into that. Um, So this is a young adult mystery that has a bit of a fantasy twist to it or paranormal twist to it, I should say. Um, You are following this character named Beth Teller, who has actually passed away. So she's a ghost and she's kind of like haunting her dad. Her dad can actually see her. And so they interact with each other throughout this entire book. Um, her dad is a detective um, and Beth is actually of mixed race. I think her dad is like white Australian. And then her mother was, um, I don't remember what tribe she's from that they say, but she is of, of native, native descent. Um, and so she's basically been haunting him since she's passed away. And they get and he gets called onto a case where there's this really like suspicious fire that took place where one person had died in the fire and there's only one person who was sort of a witness to the event, but she's a very unreliable witness. Um, her name is Isabel Ketching and she's of native descent. And the way that she talks about the events that have occurred, um, is in a very fantastical way. So she talks about these creatures who have kidnapped her and how they, 
she's like full of color and she's going to be fed to another creature who's going to take away all the color. Um, so they're like interviewing her as well as interviewing all these other people that are in this small town where the fire took place. Um, and it's, they're, you know, basically trying to figure out what happened. Um, so this is like a really, really short book. Like it's less than 300 pages. Um, it's mainly told from Beth's point of view, but you do get some, uh, sections from, Isabella Catching's point of view. And what I actually really like is whenever you're from Catching's point of view, which they call her Catching in the book, um, it's actually written in verse, which I found to be super interesting because she's talking about these like really fantastical, really paranormal and like sort of events and creatures and things like that. So it was actually really cool to see the sort of purposeful change in style whenever it switched to those parts and it like made those parts of the story feel even more like fairy tale like so to speak yeah it's just like a really really interesting and well done book it is a book where like the mystery is very secondary to the character part of the story so that might be a slight deal breaker for some people but i still think that this is a really interesting story because it talks about things like grief and loss and um because you know Beth is haunting her dad and he's still grieving the loss of her and you see him uh dealing with that loss and how he's kind of moving on with his life but mostly not um you see Beth worrying about her dad as well as other people in her family um and she's like trying to figure out the best way to handle things because obviously like she's a ghost and she's not really supposed to be here anymore but she also doesn't want to leave her dad um and yeah, it's just a really, really interesting story that I didn't really know what I was getting into uh, starting this book, but it really took an interesting turn that I just did not expect. And I actually enjoyed this one a lot. Um, I'll say like, I've been having, I've been in kind of a reading slump lately. I haven't really been finishing a lot of books, but this is probably the first book I've picked up this month where I was like not determined to finish, but I was really motivated to finish because I was so intrigued by it. It's really different from anything else I've read, especially in kind of the mystery world. And it kind of like just took me by surprise. And I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah. So again, that one's called The Thing She's Seen. Uh, and I'm not going to try to butcher their poor author's names again. So I'll just say The Thing She's Seen. There'll be a link in the show notes. Yeah, I think I remember talking about that book as a new release like a few episodes ago. Yeah, because um, it is a new release. Um, and I remember being excited that we got a chance to feature a book written by uh, by authors of Aboriginal descent. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. So my experience was completely different. So, so like Rincey said, she she claimed like the one book that really truly fit the criteria for this challenge and was also a mystery thriller related book. Now, it's hard enough finding an own voices um oceanic oceania author to begin with, but then you add the mystery thriller element into it and it's darn near impossible. So I said, "Okay, for my book, I said, we're going to have to loosen this a little bit because I, otherwise it's just going to be Rincey talking about a book and me going, well, I tried. Um, <laughs> which honestly is kind of how this ended up anyway, but let me continue. Um, so I said, okay, I'm going to find a book written by an Australian author, someone who was born in Australia, and their book takes place in Australia. 
even this was super difficult. Like, what the heck? Either the author, either the book is set in Australia and the author is not a need, is not, uh, a, was not born in Australia, which was what I was really hoping for. Or vice versa, the author was Australian, but all their books are set in England. So I was like, all right, fine. So I was, so I was doing, I was doing research and I was like, okay. And, this right here, I've got a little bit of egg on my face. I'm a librarian. I know how to do research. And yet I fell prey to you can't trust everything on Google. Because I did a Google search of Australian crime authors. And I'm, and I'm looking at the stuff that comes up at the top. And I'm like, oh, okay, there's an author I know. And I have had one of her books on my, on my to-read list. Excellent. So I did not investigate further. I read the book in a few days. I was uh, on a plane for a good part of the weekend, and I finished it. I started it and finished it in the airport, and I enjoyed it. And I was like, okay, I finished early. You know, uh, we are banging on all cylinders. And then today when I was looking up details about the author, um, I was like, because the book didn't take place in Australia. It took place in London. So I was like, all right, well, it's too late to find another book right now. So I'm just going to go with it. And then I'm looking up details about the author today. She's not even Australian. She's She was born and lives in England. And so I will be talking about that book at the end of the show in terms of books that I have finished, but it doesn't meet any of the criteria that we set out. So what I did is I went back through my Goodreads list and I found a book that I read a few years ago that does meet the, the the slightly loosened criteria that I came up with, and I will talk about that one and give you a couple other authors that you can that you can uh, take a look at if you want to use a mystery or thriller novel for this part of your uh, read harder challenge. So, the book that I ultimately picked that meets the criteria is Watching You by Michael Robotham, who he is an Australian crime author. Um, the book does take place in Australia. It is part of the Joseph O'Loughlin series. Um, it's actually book seven in the series, which I did not know when I read, when I initially read it, but you could definitely read it as a standalone. Um, it's a, uh, it is a psychological suspense novel. Um, Joseph O'Loughlin is a clinical psychologist. Um, and so he kind of, so he kind of, he takes on that role in the series. Um, but the main character is Marnie Logan, um, who feels like she's being watched in her own house. She's feeling like a breath on the back of her neck. There's shadows moving. She feels like someone is watching her or some, someone is lurking nearby. Um, and while this is happening, her husband has inexplicably vanished. Police have no leads in the case. She cannot access his bank accounts or his life insurance. Um, and so she's, she's very depressed. She's increasingly desperate. She seeks the help of clinical psychologist. Enter Joe O'Loughlin. Um, he is, um, as he talks to her, he realizes that Marnie is extremely reluctant to talk about her past. Um, and he wants to, um, he's really trying to uncover what it is that she's hiding because he feels like that could really help with her treatment. Um, so, but that breakthrough comes when, um, she shares with him this thing that she calls the big red book, which is a collage of pictures, interviews, anecdotes from Marnie's friends and relatives that her husband had been compiling as part of a surprise birthday gift, um, that he had been working on before he disappeared. Um, but his explorations into her past led him to this revelation right before he disappeared that anyone who has ever gotten close to Marnie has paid a very, very 
steep price. Um, there basically is uncovered that there is someone who is eliminating the people in Marnie's life one by one, but they don't know who it is. Um, and now that O'Loughlin is part of Marnie's life, he now kind of has a target on his back. Um, so this, I really liked this book, um, when I, when I read it. It is, um, I, in, I, like I said, I have to go off of my Goodreads review because it's been a while since I've read it. Um, but it it really is classic psychological suspense. It's fast paced. You've got the multiple perspectives coming together to kind of build this story. There's the unreliable uh, main character. Can you believe everything that they're telling you? Um, it builds and builds and then the end when it just kind of all comes together at once. Um, and one thing I do remember from reading this book is that it's super creepy. Like, like I mentioned at the beginning, like she has this feeling that someone's watching you. Like that feeling is pervasive through the entire book. Um, it's, it's a book that I, um, that I remember thinking like it's not necessarily doing anything brand new or unexpected, with the genre, but it what it does, it does well. It does really well. Um, so sometimes there's like psychological suspense. Sometimes you, you ha there has to be a little bit of suspension of disbelief at times. Like this type of stuff is not happening all the time in just an average everyday person's life, um, or at least not not to this extent. So you so you got to suspend a little bit of disbelief. Um, but it it's well written. It's satisfying. You feel like you're you're reading you're reading a book written by someone who knows what they're doing, um, and I really enjoyed it. And as, and as I reread my review in preparation for this episode, I'm like, oh yeah, I remember this book. And he's written a couple others since then. Um, like I said, this was book seven in the series. So I'm like, I should go back and read some more of these. So um, I'm I'm like, oh, reminding myself that oh yeah, I've got I've got some books I need to catch up on. But yeah, it I really enjoyed it. If you're looking for like just straight up psychological suspense like nothing too complicated you kind of know what you're getting but it there's enough uneasiness and uncertainty to to keep you guessing this book will do it um so again that was watching you by michael robotham um and then if you're looking for other authors that might fit the bill um you can try candace fox you specifically might want to try Crimson Lake, which is the first book in her Amanda Farrell series. Um, this book uh, does fit the bill. She is an Australian author. The book takes place in Australia. Um, Leanne Moriarty is kind of an obvious choice. Um, but again, she writes kind of that domestic suspense um, with a little bit of literary fiction sprinkled in there. But um, she would like if you wanted to read Big Little Lies, that would if you with these loosened criteria that would probably work. Um, Peter Temple's another one, um, another author that kept coming up on lists of Australian crime writers. Uh, he wrote the Jack Irish series. Um, technically, he was not born in Australia, but at this point, if you're loosening some of the criteria, you can loosen uh, loosen another one a little bit. Um, and then if we and if we keep that even more loosened criteria, there's also Jane Harper, which of course we we all know and love Jane Harper very much. So I won't go into her. Um, I won't go into her books too much, but. Um, those are a few other suggestions, and I know now to do proper research before picking my book. <laughs> you should get your librarianness taken away from you because of that. I will or, not like, revoke my librarian yeah. card. Yeah, <laughs> or at least temporary su suspension or something. 
No, 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 no. You'll pry my librarian card from my cold, dead hands. <laughs> All right. Well, feel free to let us know if you guys have any other suggestions for books, because clearly um, it's not easy to find them. And so we will happily take any suggestions that you might have for authors who were at least born in Australia and write about write mystery books that are written in Australia, because, wow, that was that in and of itself seems hard enough to do. Okay, so to finish off sort of the last part of this episode, I have our new releases. Um, there are some interesting ones coming out um, this week and next week. First up, I have The Affair of the Mysterious Letter by Alexis Hall. This one, you are following Captain John Wyndham, who finds himself back in the city of Kelarthra Ven after fighting a war in another universe, and he is looking for somewhere to live. And in order to do this promptly, he ends up taking lodgings at 221B, Martyr's Walk. And his new housemate is Ms. Shaharzad Haas, who is a consulting sorceress of mercurial temperament and dark reputation. When Ms. Haas is enlisted to solve a case of blackmail against one of her former lovers, Captain Wyndham is drawn into a mystery that leads him from the saloons of literary to uh, the drowned back alleys of Ven, and even to a prison cell in Las Car- Carcosa. Um, so if you couldn't tell by those little hints there. This is a new fantasy mystery that is inspired by Sherlock Holmes. So if you are a big Sherlock Holmes fan, or you really enjoy Sherlock Holmes sort of retellings or twists, uh, then this one might be up your alley. And again, that one is called The Affair of the Mysterious Letter by Alexis Hall. And that one is already out. Um, and then there are a few coming out next week that I wanted to point out. Uh, the first one is A Nearly Normal Family by M.T. Edvardson. And this is actually a book in translation, and I didn't write down the translator, so I apologize for that. Um, but this is a new legal drama slash family drama. Um, you are following 18-year-old Stella Sandal, who is accused of the brutal murder of a man almost 15 years older than her. Um, she's just a typical ordinary teenager from an upstanding local family. And there are a lot of questions about why she would even have a reason to know a shady businessman, let alone kill him. Um, so Sheila's father, a local pastor, her mother, um, a criminal defense attorney are all finding their moral compasses tested as they defend uh, Sheila and are struggling to understand why she's even a suspect. Um, so this is told in a slightly more unusual three-part structure, and it's asking the questions like, how do, well do you know your own children, and how far would you go to protect them? Um, so this one has already been getting some really great reviews. Um, and again, that one is called A Nearly Normal Family by M.T. Edvardson. Um, also coming out next week is Big Sky by Kate Atkinson. This is the next book in the Jackson Brody series. Um, I feel like Kate Atkinson started to gain a lot of notoriety, notoriety for her literary fiction books. And I am actually someone who came to her through her uh, fiction books. I read Case Histories a number of years ago at this point, and I really enjoyed it a lot. Um, so there is another book out in the series. Um, so in this one, Jackson Brody has relocated to a quiet seaside village uh, with the occasional company of his teenage son and aging Labrador. Um, and it's sort of this like picturesque town with something darker looking behind the scenes. Um, at his current job, which which is mainly just gathering proof of unfaithful husbands for suspicious wives. But he has a chance encounter with a desperate man on a crumbling cliff uh, that leads him into the slightly more sinister network and sort of like the darker parts of this town. So like I said, this is the next book in the series. I think this is book number four 
four, I want to say off the top of my head, but I could be completely wrong about that. Um, I don't think you need to read these books necessarily in order, but obviously it always helps to do so because you get sort of like the back story of the character himself. Um, and Case Histories is a really good book, so I do recommend that anyways. Um, but if you are interested in picking this one up, again, that's called Big Sky by Kate Atkinson. And then the final one that I have is The Van Ampel, Ampel Girls Are Gone by Felicity McLean. Um, Tika Malloy was 11 and one sixth years old during the long, hot Australian summer of 1992. Um, as the TV news in the background chattered with debate about the exoneration of Lindy, Dingo took my baby Chamberlain. Um, that summer was when the Van Amphel sisters, Ruth, Hannah, and the beautiful Cordelia mysteriously disappeared. Um, did they run away from their harsh evangelical parents or were they taken? And while the search for the girls united the small community, the mystery of their disappearance was never solved. And Tika and her older sister, Laura, have been haunted ever since by the loss of their friends and playmates. Now, years later, Tika has returned to their home to try to make sense of that strange moment in time. Um, so this book is being described as part mystery, part dark uh, comedic coming of age story. Um, it's a page turner that has a dark shimmering absence at its heart. Um, and again, that one is called The Van Amphel Girls Are Gone by Felicity McLean. Um, I was looking up to see she is an Australian author. Because <laughs> you said the book takes place in Australia. Um, and I can't figure out if she was actually born in Australia. But... <laughs> This may count. <laughs> I was thinking that as soon as I, I didn't do that on purpose at all. I just thought this book sounded interesting. I didn't make the connection to our topic. But while I was reading that out loud in my head, I was like, I wonder if this one would count. <laughs> I was looking that up while you finished it. Also, the Kate Atkinson book is number five in the Jackson Brody series. There you go. I wasn't too far off. <laughs> no, not at all. Um, Awesome. So uh, with that... I guess I'll jump into the book that I meant to talk about for this episode and found out, hey, it doesn't actually work. But I did still enjoy it. Um, so the book that I had read on the airplane was Our House by Louise Candlish, um, who is not an Australian author. Uh, she is British and lives in London. Um, and the book takes place in London. Um, but the premise of the book is um, the main character Fiona she comes home she's cut short this romantic uh vacation she comes home and she finds this couple moving into her house like they've got a moving van they are moving stuff into her house and so she goes in and goes um excuse me but WTF um and they're like what we bought the house and she was like this is my house they're like we bought it but this is my house so that go they go back and forth between this that for a little bit and then she finds out that they did indeed buy her house um and she does not know how or why or how any of this happened but mysteriously her ex-husband has kind of vanished from the grid she can't get a hold of him. His cell phone is turned off. She doesn't know where he is. Um, she finds that he he had said that he was going to be taking care of their their kids. They are separated, um, and they have this like they have this thing called a bird's nest arrangement where they 
basically they keep the house, but then they have their own, they have a separate apartment. And like one of them lives in the apartment for a few days. The other one lives in the house for a few days during the week. And then they switch so that their kids don't have to move to a different location. It's the parents that are switching, which is odd. Um, but they they explored this idea in depth in the book, how they come to it, how it works, blah, blah, blah. So basically, it's, yeah, she's, the story is figuring out why, how did this happen? You know, was it identity theft? Did her ex-husband do something really nefarious? You know, what happened? Um, and so the book is told through multiple perspectives and multiple timelines. Like, you get um, Fiona and her husband... Um, Bram, uh, short for Abraham. But um, the story is told from their perspectives, both like in the quote unquote current moment, or like there's, um, well, there's Fiona's perspective as she's learning that her house has been sold. Um, That is told in third person. Then there's a segment of Fiona's where she goes on this podcast to this true crime podcast to tell her story about what happened. This is six weeks after. So this is her telling her story in first person about how it kind of led up to that point and giving you all the backstory. This is interspersed with her husband writing an account of his account of what happened. We find, we find out very quickly that he is indeed alive and he is Somewhat, he he is elsewhere in Europe. He is on the run, and he is writing this big long this big long letter to explain his side of what happened. So you get these pieces that are layered on top of each other, and you you piece together what has happened. And my God, there is a lot happening in this book. There's a lot going on. Um, but it's not hard to keep track of. At least it wasn't for me. I was able to be like, okay, you know, this is when this happened. And, you know, you're able to keep characters um, and events straight in your head. Um, it's a very, it's a very fast paced psychological suspense novel. Um, this is, this is a book that it this one I think for for me was hyped up a little more than I had anticipated or not anticipated but people were really hyping up this book so I was expecting some really big stuff and there was there were definitely some some surprises in there um it didn't necessarily blow me away but it was definitely an entertaining read I would say if you enjoy psychological suspense this is one to this is one to add to your list um it's it's a great airplane read as I can literally attest to started it and finished it in an airport on a plane all that stuff but it's a it's an interesting domestic thriller the premise is a little convoluted like someone's some like how did how do you how do you have your house sold? and not know about it. Um, but they, it, she makes it work. Like, it's an interesting story. Also, I feel like this is, m- like, the second or third psychological suspense novel I've read where the woman's name is Fiona. Um, maybe that's a British thing. I don't know. But that's something I've noticed. Um, so there's that. Um, but yeah, so I I did enjoy it. Um, and uh, again, that was Our House by Louise Candlish. And then in terms of what I'm starting, um, I'm pretty sure I have an, a copy, an advanced copy of Speaking of Summer by Kalisha Buchanan, which comes out next month. Um, I will have to track that down, though. But it's supposed to be like a literary crime novel um, written by 
uh, black author and supposed is supposed to be like a family drama, but also literary crime. Um, the main character's sister disappears, and the main character goes through all this grief trying to understand what happened. Um, and it's supposed to be really, really good. So I will have to dig that out from my towering arc pile. <laughs> and if you haven't already, I highly recommend just looking up the book because it has a beautiful cover. The cover is outstanding. I like, oh my God, I love the cover. Yeah, it's fantastic. Also, uh, continuing our <laughs> rabbit hole down Australian authors, I did Googling while you were talking and uh, Felicity McLean, born, raised and in Sydney, Australia. So there you go. Well, ho! all right, there you go. There's another there's another unexpected uh, author for your list. <laughs> All right. So I haven't been reading much of anything. As I mentioned earlier in the episode, I haven't been uh, finishing any books. So I don't really have anything to talk about here. Uh, but I do have They All Fall Down by Rachel Housel Hall, which Katie has talked about in a previous episode. Um, this is due back at the library this week. So I need to read this book because I love Agatha Christie. And, and then The Word Done is one of my favorites from her. So I feel like this is like required reading for me. Like sometimes when library books are due, um, I'll just like give them back to the library and I'm like, I can get this one later. This is one where I need to read this one now because I don't know when I'm going to get the chance again. So that is definitely on my list. So they all fall down. I'm very excited to read this one. And I think you said like it's a really fast paced book. So I feel like I can finish it this week. Oh yeah, no this this was a very fast book. You can for sure finish it. It was it was a lot of fun. I liked it. Yeah, I'm excited for it. Um, and I think that's also kind of what I need right now too is something really fast paced that'll grab my attention. So that's on my list. All right, so that's our show. Thanks so much to everyone for listening. For show notes, you can head over to bookriot.com/listen. There will be links to all the articles that we talked about at the top of the show. So you can check those out. There'll also be links to all of the books that we mentioned in this episode. So you can uh, pick up some of those if you are interested. If you enjoyed the podcast, definitely leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. So that way other people can discover us and join this wonderful mystery thriller suspense community that we are building here. Um, as we mentioned before, we love getting emails from you guys, especially if you have future episode topics that you want us to cover or just in general suggestions for books that we can read, um, you can email us at redordead at bookriot.com. Otherwise, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. I am at Rincy A. And I am on Twitter at KT underscore library lady. And we will talk to you guys next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.